This is One Bills Live, presented by Kaleida Health. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the beginning of our coverage all week long here on One Bills Live at the NFL Combine in Indianapolis. Chris Brown with Maddie Glab here at the Convention Center in downtown Indy, where things are just getting constructed for the better part of this week as uh, we are here already because after we are off the air today, we are going to be speaking with head coach Sean McDermott in an exclusive interview with Maddie and myself, which will air on tomorrow's show. Uh, so excited to catch up with Coach, who is busy right now in NFL competition committee meetings. So he's already put to work here. He gets named to the committee. He's already hard at work here. <laughs> yeah, being part of the committee means meetings, meetings, and more meetings during the NFL scout- scouting combine here in Indy. And they're getting ready for the upcoming league meetings where they're yeah. going to present a lot of these things to the owners. Yeah. Potential rule changes. It looks like the kickoff is going to be under the microscope. Uh, NFL Network's Judy Batista, who I believe is embedded in the NFL competition committee meetings, is reporting from there and started yesterday on those because there were meetings yesterday. There are meetings again today, and it looks like the kickoff is going to be under tremendous review because the league is not happy that the number of kickoff returns has declined in sharp measure. Uh, A, because balls are flying through the back of the end zone with the quality of the kickers in the league these days, number one. And number two, with the addition of the fair catch last Mm -hmm. year, most teams, even if they field the kick, are signaling for a fair catch, knowing I don't have to do anything, and I get it at the 25. So I think they're going to take a look at that again, and all indications that we've heard, Maddie, is that they're going to take a long, hard look at the XFL style of kick return, where you have the coverage team and the return team 10 yards apart, the returners behind that, and the people covering the kick standing at their opponent's 30-yard line cannot release until the kick returner plays the ball. It's like a tag-up in baseball. Yeah, it's a little bit safer of a way to do things if they do elect to do something like that, and it really has to do with how the players are lined up. It's not like you're running down the field, coming at each other, gaining all of this speed as you're running 10 yards, 20 yards, 30 yards. You're really just a few yards away from each other. So we look forward to that conversation and see what kind of light uh, Coach McDermott can share on that. We don't know what he's permitted to say or not say in terms of those meetings, but I think kickoff is going to be a big part of those. Uh, we also have plenty of guests all week long, so you're going to want to stay tuned to us Monday through Friday. We're going to have NFL GMs in addition to Brandon being on the show, a uh, number of league analysts and people who cover this league wall-to-wall on the show all week long. So really excited to bring all that to you through the course of the week. Uh, But we also have NFL news, to no one's surprise. And the franchise tag has been used. We are off and running. The Cincinnati Bengals have tagged wide receiver T. Higgins with the franchise tag. So the dynamic receiver looks like he'll be spending at least one more year in Cincinnati. There was a quote from uh, head coach Zach Taylor in a Bengals team statement that read, T has done an outstanding job for us since we drafted him in 2020. I'm glad that he'll continue to be a big part of our offense and our team. I think they want to try to run it back one more time, hoping Joe Burrow can stay healthy and see how far they can get, Maddie. I mean, you have two dynamic wide receivers on that team. It's it's not likely that you get two guys like T. Higgins and Jamar Chase on a roster with a quarterback like Joe Burrow. So why not see what you can do with one more year with all of those three under the same roof 
in Cincinnati, and hopefully they get a healthy Joe Burrow. I know that's a team that the Chiefs and the Bills and other AFC contenders, the Ravens, have to worry about when Joe Burrow has been healthy. Didn't work out for the team this past year, um, but the tag number for wide receivers, that number's getting up there, Chris. Yeah, I actually just took a look at that before we came on the air. It's $21.8 million. Yeah. Um, but that's part of the reason why I think a team like the Bills, who already has a receiver making over $20 million on their roster, will have to look to the draft to refurbish their ranks and why the price is likely to be too steep to hang on to a player like Gabe Davis who's going to hit the free agent market. The other thing we should mention here, too, is I think this tagging of T. Higgins should be looked upon by Bills fans as good news Mm -hmm. in terms of the teams that sit in front of Buffalo in the first round of the NFL draft. The Bengals, as we know, have the the 17th pick in the first round, and if they were not going to bring back T. Higgins, I think there's a good chance you could at least surmise that receiver would be a consideration for them. But now, investing 21.8 in T. Higgins, sure, they might draft a receiver, but I don't know if that comes with the 17th pick. I think they need help up front at the tackle position. Uh, Jonah Williams, I believe, is a free agent and is probably not going to be back. They're starting right tackle. Uh, and Orlando Brown, their starting left tackle, wasn't any great shakes this year. He certainly didn't live up to the billing uh, of the year that he played in Kansas City the year prior. So I would anticipate they get some offensive line help uh, with pick 18 is what they have. Um, and not take a receiver. That's good. That's one less team in front of the Bills taking a wide receiver in round one, at least as I see it with this move to franchise T. Higgins. Yeah, an offensive tackle at that point in the draft where they're drafting at number 18, there's going to be some good depth for that position group. So if you want to go after an offensive lineman, that may be your spot to do so in the first round, knowing that you just spent a boatload on tagging T. Higgins. Yeah, and, and the value should be good there at that point in the first round for the offensive tackle mm-hmm. position. Uh, other news around the NFL, and incidentally, it's brought to you by Kaleida Health, the official health care system of the Buffalo Bills. Uh, maybe you saw this on your Twitter or X scroll, but uh, Kirk Cousins putting some video out of himself taking dropbacks on an indoor tennis court, of all places. <laughs> I thought that surface was interesting, but I guess in Minnesota it's hard to come by uh, stable surfaces this time of year in the middle of winter. Uh, but Kirk Cousins, who, as we know, is recovering from a torn Uh, Achilles that he suffered last season about midway through the season put a video of him taking dropbacks albeit at about half speed at best uh, and throwing the football to kind of indicate what kind of progress he is making he's no dummy he knows he's a free agent so I think he's trying to show you know league GMs hey look at me I'm on the road to recovery I'm making good progress if you need a quarterback there's a good chance I'm going to be ready at the start of the regular season, so invest in me. That's, to me, what that video said. Speaking of investing in me, you wonder if older guys like this, and I know the quarterback position is a different type of position, and it commands a lot more money, but you wonder if a quarterback like Kirk Cousins could demand some extra cash knowing that the cap number is way bigger than people expected this season. Well, I think just about every agent is going to be pushing for more <laughs> money knowing the cap went up $13 more million than anticipated, an unprecedented at $30 million in increase. So just about everybody's going to have their hand out saying, hey, you've got more to spend. Spend it with my guy. Uh, you want him that badly. Show me the money. Mm-hmm. Um, and for that matter, Maddie, 
players that maybe some teams looking to get under the cap may have gone to and said, hey, can you take a pay cut? They might be like, well, hold on a second. Why? you got 13 more million uh, in room. Why do you need me to take right. a cut? So they might be a little bit more resistant. It's going to be very interesting to see. Mm-hmm. We'll have that conversation with Brandon Bean later this week. We're scheduled to have him on Tuesday's show. Uh, meanwhile, another quarterback, Russell Wilson, who has been the subject of speculative trade rumors out there, said he'd prefer to stay in Denver. Uh, He also said he's got more fire than ever to win football games. He wants to win two more Super Bowls before he retires, yada, yada, yada. Um, He also said he wants to play under center more. I think he knows he's his best quarterback when he plays the drop-back play-action game, and he is one of the most accurate deep ball throwers. The question is, is that what Sean Payton wants in his quarterback in Denver? Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how that all shakes out. And just really what you heard about both sides at the end of the season, it seemed like, okay, there's no way these two are going to be together next season. Um, just knowing what Sean Payton may want, his comments about that quarterback position. And then Russell Wilson, too, and kind of what he was told inside the building uh, during his first seasons there. The other interesting thing is it was a foregone conclusion that based on how his contract was structured, there was probably going to be a parting of ways there this offseason. But now with the increased salary cap ceiling, can they find a way to rework that deal and keep him there? Sean Payton scheduled to address the media tomorrow, right, at Mm -hmm. 11, I think? tomorrow at 11. That'll be a well-attended interview for sure because these are going to be some questions he's going to be getting asked about Russell Wilson and his future with the Broncos organization speaking of quarterbacks we also have nfl combine news concerning the quarterback and wide receiver prospects here in indianapolis first the quarterbacks usc quarterback caleb williams and lsu quarterback Jaden daniels who could very well go one two in the draft this spring are not going to be throwing here in indy later this week they are both going to wait until their respective pro days usc's pro day is coming up march 20th LSU's Pro Day is a week later, March 27th. And it's not like this isn't something we we haven't seen before, Maddie. Um, but I know being two of the top talents in the draft at the position, people were hoping they could see them throw. I yeah. don't know. It's something that you want to see if you're here at the Combine, if you're, if you're a team covering the Combine, if you're scouts that are going to be at the Combine, coaching staff, it's stuff that you want to see from, especially if you're interested in the quarterback position here. But it's something that we hear and see more often year after year is guys electing to not do anything at the Combine um, aside from medicals and then instead decide to throw or participate within their school's pro day. I don't know if it's, you know, hey, I feel more comfortable here. I want to wait a little bit longer. Um there's several reasons why these prospects decide to elect to, you know what, I'm not going to participate in the scouting combine in Indy. I'm just going to wait for my pro day. I know for quarterbacks in particular, it is a more controlled environment because they can control mm-hmm. what 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 throws am I doing. You know, They can work with whoever is scripting that for them, whether they have a quarterback guru or a mechanics coach, whatever, and they can literally script the pro day practice to their liking. They're not at the behest of the coaches on the field here at the combine saying, okay, we're throwing corner routes here for the next 10 routes. You know, okay, we're throwing crossers, whatever. They get to control the narrative there, and I think that's part of the appeal for players to wait until their pro day at the quarterback position. Uh, Marvin Harrison Jr., widely considered the top receiver in this year's class, isn't going to do any testing this week. He's likely to be a top-five pick. What's also interesting is he's entering the pre-draft process 
without an agent. He is the first. We know. remember Lamar Jackson yep. famously came in here without an agent. Um, Harrison will not either. And it's an interesting approach by Marvin Harrison Jr. here, Maddie. He is choosing not to work out here because he's not doing the type of training that so many of these prospects go through to prepare for the combine. As he puts it, he is preparing for the NFL season in the fall, and it is a different kind of training. And and I, I think this is kind of a – I kind of like this approach a little bit because – at the end of the day, it's about how well you play football. Yes, testing's a part of it, mm-hmm. and and people put a lot of investment into this because agents send these prospects to training uh, facilities to work with you know professional strength and conditioning coaches and fitness coaches and mechanics coaches and all of that stuff. You know, faster get off to take a tenth of a second off your forty time and all of that. He's like, the heck with that. I just want to play football, and I'm kind of reminded, you know, Maddie, we talk about the rookie wall all the time and how players come week 10 11 in their rookie season they're out of gas why because they finish their football college football season in like early january then they begin training for the next month and a half for the combine then it's the draft and then after that it's otas mini camps june mini camp and then training camp and then you're into a season and marvin harrison is just cutting all that out from like January to the draft, pretty much. You wonder if that will help him get through his rookie season easier, and maybe he doesn't hit that rookie wall. Yeah, I mean, if you're an elite enough prospect, if you're high enough prospect on some of these top 50 big boards that we're seeing, what's the benefit of going to the combine if all you all you have to do is say, turn on my tape, look at what I did in college, yeah. and at that point, all you need to do is get your body NFL ready. Maybe you're basically already there. Maybe you need to keep doing what you were doing in college, but then taking a few months to train for the NFL scouting combine, to train train to run the 40-yard dash, to train to leap into the air um, and do the three-cone drill. Some of these things, if you have – if it's not going to push your draft stock anymore. Not somebody then, like him, Then probably. why are you doing it? I totally understand it for some of the guys who have a lot to win at the NFL Scouting Combine where maybe you're a little bit – maybe you're projected a, a day three or day four guy or, or maybe a day two person and you can rise up the ranks a little bit by your testing, mm-hmm. by how you run the 40, um, by what you can do in the interview rooms in front of coaches and scouts. I totally get that. But when you're Marvin, Marvin Harrison Jr., and you're going to go off the board, possibly at the number three pick, the scouting combine doesn't necessarily benefit you. I kind of like it too. I know some people could probably scoff at it and be like, these young kids, what are you doing? You're not you're not deciding to go to the NFL scouting combine. You're, you're totally just kind of poo-pooing it, saying it's not for you. I I understand it, and I like it, and I think it shows how much about ball this player is about. Yeah, and he is one of those examples who really doesn't need to do anything else. He had back-to-back 1,400-yard seasons Mm -hmm. with double-digit touchdowns in both of those years, and he did it with a quarterback this past year who wasn't exactly lighting the world on fire. Matter of fact, he transferred um, in Kyle McCord. So, yeah, I mean, he went from C.J. Stroud to McCord, and there was no drop-off in Marvin Harrison Jr.'s play. Uh, I think he said all he needed to do in the last two years on the field. I don't know if he has to up his stock uh, anymore. Uh, One last note, the Chiefs and their head coach, Andy Reid, are expected to begin negotiations in the coming weeks on a new contract that NFL sources believe should make Reid the highest 
paid coach in football, and you can understand why. The guy's won three Super Bowls in the last five years. Also, Chiefs general manager Brett Veach in line for a new deal, uh, which will tear up the final two years of his current contract that he, along with Reed, both signed following the 2019 season after their first Super Bowl victory. So the rich get richer, and if you were hoping that Andy Reid might ride off into the sunset sometime soon, it doesn't appear as though that is happening. Yeah, uh, when we were watching the Kansas City Chiefs win another Super Bowl, and then you start hearing things like, oh, is Travis Kelsey going to retire? Is Andy Reid going to retire? You kind of get excited about that for a second if you're a Bills fan wondering, okay, if they can... If they're without a couple of these guys, maybe they're not going to the Super Bowl every single season. Maybe the Bills can beat them in the playoffs, but it doesn't look like that's going to be the case, at least for the foreseeable yeah. future. And, and why not? If you're Andy Reid and you still have the roster that you're going to have and you were able to make it work with the roster that you had in 2023, one that was far better on defense than on offense, and if you can win a Super Bowl with that, why would you stop right now? Yeah, I mean... He's got the best quarterback on the planet, and he's only 28 years old. So I think for someone that's as dyed in the wool in football as Andy Reid is, he'd, people would consider him a fool uh, to walk away uh, with that guy at his disposal. So that is Around the NFL, presented by Collider Health, the official health care system of the Buffalo Bills. Topic of discussion for you today at 803-0550, What is on the top of your list for the Bills offseason plan? We know they're putting that plan into action maybe as soon as this week with some of the contract restructures or negotiations that they need to undertake here. Maybe it's an extension or two for some of the younger core players on the roster. Uh, If you have something that you would put at the top of that list for the Bills offseason plan, we want to know what it is. 803-0550-1888-550-2550. And I'm expecting a lot of varying opinions here, Maddie, because some people value where the biggest holes in the roster lie. Some people value offense over defense. So I think we're going to get some differing viewpoints here, which is what we want. Um, does anything strike you like right off the top of the bat? Like you don't want the Bills to finish their offseason plan without X. Like what is there something that tops your list? I mean, there are a lot of important things that have to get accomplished here. But is there one thing that sticks out for you like, man, they really got to do this? I think I go to defense first yeah. just because that's where the biggest holes lie. So I guess my mind would go to where the holes on this roster and what needs to be done to fill those holes. And I know we talked about uh, some of the spots on the defensive line last week and, yeah. and how eight of the 12 on the roster from last season are currently free agents or going to become free agents in a couple of weeks. So I kind of go there first, just knowing also how the defensive line went out against the Chiefs, what we didn't see out of that group, what we really wanted to see out of that group. We saw them get quite a bit of pressure in the first half of the season. They were top of the league in certain numbers, sacks, in uh pressure percentage. They ranked pretty high, top 10, top 5 at times. And when they faced the Chiefs against the best quarterback, one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL, and Patrick Mahomes, who is known for being able to get out of the pocket and do whatever he wants once he's at the sideline or or beyond the defensive line, they couldn't really get any pressure on him. They couldn't hit him. They couldn't get him to the ground. And 
you have room to work with at the defensive line position. You've got four guys under contract. That means you can retool a lot of that position group if you want to, to be able to do a better job of getting after those super talented quarterbacks like Patrick Mahomes. So what do you want to do with that? Do you want to re-sign a few guys? I would like to see Daquan Jones a part of this roster next season. No, we didn't get a lot, of, a lot out of him last year due to that injury, but I do think he's an impact player. Uh, so I would say defensive line is where I kind of go first. What about you, Chris? Yeah, I would say it's, for me, it's, it's that specific. Like, I think Daquan Jones has to be on this roster next year. I mean, you could certainly find somebody comparable. They may cost more. Who knows? Um, I think Daquan wants to be here i don't know if you can get him at a lower price because he is coming off an injury filled season it's no secret he's on the wrong side of 30 years old i think he still has gas in the tank and can still be a productive player for this team and i think you need an anchor up there and ed oliver's play is considerably better when daquan jones is lined up next to him so uh, that would be priority one for me Um, but there are others that are a close second or even third that I think are worthy of consideration, too. But that's kind of where I start, too. I, mm-hmm. And Daquan is just a guy that I think is valuable enough that, yes, you want to fill the holes on the defensive line, but specifically him is the one guy, knowing that they can't spend lavishly in free agency, right. he's a guy that I think I'm willing to spend money on just to get him back in the fold. And then, you know, fill in however else you see fit after that. But to me, Daquan's a priority, so he would kind of be – at the top of my list. But let us know what you think at 803-0550, the number to get on board. We're going to lead off with a guy we're closer to today than we were last week since <laughs> we're in Indianapolis. We're going to Kenny in St. Louis. What do you got for us, Kenny? You're on One Bills Live. Hi, thanks for taking my call. Um, I was just wondering, most of the time it seems like when you want a championship, your team gets poached. And I just want... Uh, to start seeing chinks in the Chiefs' armor. And I'd prefer to see big dents. But it doesn't seem like nothing's happening. Uh, Steve Spagnola should get looked at for a head coaching job. And that would put a big chink in their armor. Because Reed's coming back, like you said. And here's something I need to know from somebody. I wish Steve was there. Maybe you can tell me this. Why in the world... Did Travis Kelsey get free releases off the line all the time? It seems like nobody ever hit this dude going out into a pattern. I just don't understand it. On third and got to have it, fourth down, this guy got free releases and got open time and time again. It just drove me mad. Uh, that's yeah, all. I understand. Okay. Yeah, I understand where you're coming from, Kenny. Um it is amazing he gets free releases as much as he does, not just against the Bills, but against a bunch of teams. Um, I know that Coach McDermott did have them collisioning him at the line of scrimmage more often in an effort to reroute him. Sometimes, whether it was an end, you know, chipping him and then going to rush the passer, uh, they were collisioning him at the line of scrimmage. Not all the time. But when he was tight to the formation, they made sure to do it. When he was split out wide, it's a little bit of a different animal um, because he's a matchup problem. And you may want to have a guy that is capable of matching up with him physically, but then the problem is that guy often can't run with him uh, the way Kelsey does. So then you say, okay, let's put a smaller player on him that can cover him better, but then he outmuscles that player, and he can't get collisioned at the line of scrimmage to reroute him. So 
it it's because there is an there isn't an easy answer to Travis Kelsey as a coverage assignment. And if you go back all the way to 2017, as many times as the Bills have played him, they have tried everyone under the sun in coverage against Travis Kelsey. They have tried Jordan Poyer. They tried Tredavious White. They tried Matt Milano. They've tried Micah Hyde. They've run down the list of different players to deploy against him when they go to a man coverage call. And those players have tried to collision him at the line of scrimmage. They've also tried to play off. And it's, it's been relatively, relatively speaking, ineffective. But guess what? Every other team in the league has the same problem. And, and that's the thing. Like, we all watch Bills games. We see what the Chiefs have on them. And we say, ah, why can't they figure this out? But the news for you is they're a prop, they are the same problem for everyone else. And I think we got a better sense of that on this playoff run because they dispatched of the Dolphins, who had no answer for the Chiefs' offense. They dispatched of the Bills and then followed up and had an even more dominating performance against the number one defense in football, the Ravens, and then beat the number two defense in football, the 49ers. So it's not just a Bills problem with what the Chiefs throw at you. The entire league struggles with it. That's how they've won three of the last five Super Bowls. Um what was the other thing he talked about? He was talking about, uh, oh, the coaching staff mm-hmm. and how there's no chinks in the armor. Spagnola was a head coach years ago. He was the head coach of the St. Louis Rams, but the franchise at that time was wayward in terms of their roster development, and he kind of inherited a bad roster that did not get better through the draft, and he was quickly out of a job as head coach there after he had had success in other places um, like the New York Giants. So he's been a head coach before. The problem is, Maddie, they coach all the way to the Super Bowl, and people don't want to wait that long yeah. to get a head coach in the building themselves. Mm-hmm. So they keep going to Super Bowls. He's never going to get hired as a head coach. And another thing you hear quite a bit, and you heard right after uh, they won the Super Bowl on sports talk radio shows and on national TV, was, hey, Steve Spagnolo deserves a look, but this guy is 64 years old, and all these owners now want to go after young coaches. Yeah. Look at all the head coaches being hired within the last few years. That age number continues to go down and down and down and and you look at our staff and who we hired this offseason we hired several young coaches not for head coaching position of course but look at our offensive and defensive coordinator Joe Brady Bobby Babich our quarterbacks coach our defensive line coach these are all younger guys it seems like that's what owners want now as the game continues to change year after year after year and and they want the flavor of the month coming out of college football and they want to put that into the NFL so that may be another reason why he hasn't been looked at a ton by teams yeah let's get back to the phones and we'll go down to jerry in louisiana what do you got for us jerry it's gary oh it's gary sorry i'm just reading what's on my screen here sorry about that no it's all right buddy sorry what you got for us gary be honest i want the question of the day what would i want i want a receiver that can get separation that can run i don't care if he's six three i don't care Long as six one, as long as he can get separation where we can push the defense back, and then we can contend for a Super Bowl. Until then, we are not contending. That's it. Okay, fair enough, Jerry. Um, I'm I'm riding that train with you, Gary. Um, I got to tell you, you know, we've been talking about receivers for the better part of the last two <laughs> weeks, and we'll probably talk about them a lot more here at the NFL Combine. But yes, uh, I agree with you. They need a field stretcher. 
to pull some of these teams out of these cover two high shells that they're running against the Bills, keep everything in front of them, force them to nickel and dime their way down the field. And if you have a field stretcher that strikes fear in the opposing defense, they can't get as conservative with their calls. Um, I think if you couple a field stretcher with a running back like James Cook, now you've put a defense in a bind because if they want to play two safeties deep, now you've got a light box. Here comes James Cook at you in the run game. And if you want to bring that safety down, now you've got single high coverage, and that affords a field stretcher a golden opportunity to make a big play for you with Josh Allen throwing to him. And the good news is this is a deep receiver class in the draft this year with some speedsters. Yeah, there's some big speedsters in this year's draft class that you can find in the first round, in the second round, or the third round. Really take your pick if you're in a position to draft a wide receiver in the first round and, and some of the top five guys are still available, you might as well go after one. The Bills have been mocked with wide receivers at that number 28 spot quite a few times from the mock drafts that we've tracked. Favorite names so far, Brian Thomas Jr., Keon Coleman, Troy Franklin. We've talked about all of those three guys uh, last week. We'll continue to talk about wide receivers as it seems to be a popular position for the Bills to go to in that first round. But I would also like to see them go to a wide receiver in the second or the third round, just knowing how much depth there is in this year's class. And and you also think about what a wide receiver could do to help Stefan Diggs. You know, we didn't see the big numbers from Stefan Diggs toward the end of the season, but maybe if you place a field stretcher on this roster that takes some of the attention away from Stefan Diggs and puts it on this big X wide receiver, maybe that frees up Stefan Diggs to go be one of the best wide receivers out there like we know he can be. Yeah, and you know, Gary's point about a separator is important too. I think it's one of the things that Gabe Davis had a problem with. Um, He wasn't known as a separator. Yes, he could be a downfield threat, but a lot of his catches were in contested situations. And I think the Bills want somebody who is clearly open. And the reason why is because Josh is more of a put-it-on-you thrower. He'll put it right between the numbers of a receiver's chest rather than lead them into space. That's not to say he can't do that, but more often than not, he puts it right on a guy's sternum and so if you have separation, you know, now it's not a contested play, now it's a higher percentage catch play, and now it's a more productive offense as a result. So a separator, yes, Gary, I think you're dead on the money, and a field stretcher. Someone who separates early in the down, someone who is available downfield or at least strikes fear in a defense to get behind them. Got to take a break here, but when we come back, more of your phone calls. We'll lead off with Al in Buffalo, but we got open lines for you at 803-0550-1888-550-2550 as we are asking you what is the top of your list for Buffalo's offseason plan. Chris Brown, Matty Glab, back with you live from the NFL Combine in Indiana moment here on One Bills Live. Stay tuned. All right, welcome back here to One Bills Live. Chris Brown, Maddie Glad with you, coming to you live from the NFL Combine in Indianapolis where things are just getting started. Uh, we'll have much more in store for you the rest of the week as well. But for now, we are taking your phone calls at 803-0550, Those are the numbers to get on board. If you don't have a chance to give us a call, you can hit us up on the tweet sheet as well at One Bills Live. Topic of discussion today, what is on the top of your list for the Bills' off-season plan. You've got priority number one. You tell us what that is for you for this Bills squad to prepare 
for 2024. Could be coaching related, could be player related, could be salary cap related. Whatever it is, you let us know at 803-0550. Let's get back to the phones. Got open lines for you there. But waiting patiently is Al in Buffalo. What do you got for us, Al? Hi, Chris. Hi, Maddie. Thanks for taking my call. Um, sure. My my thing that I really want to see the Bills do is, uh, is is go for offensive weapons. I mean, when you look at the Chiefs, what they did, you know, just going through this, they, they played the number one defense, and, you know, I, I don't know what the 49ers were, um, but they couldn't stop it. I think the only team that showed that they were able to beat them were the Bengals, and that's when, you know, you had Higgins and, you know, and all their receivers are speedsters. I really think if we want to be able to win and beat the Chiefs, we need more offensive weapons, some really speedster guys for Josh, you know, to hit down the field and stuff. So I got scared. You know, go for defense. No, we really need offense if we want to beat the Chiefs. That's what I wanted to say. Thank you. Yeah, I get it, Al, and, and I respect that. And, look, you, you can't ignore defense, you know, to Maddie's point last segment. Just from a sheer numbers perspective, you don't have enough people under contract on the defensive side of the ball. So you are going to have to address that in some capacity, both free agency and the draft, presumably. But in terms of high-level investments, I think a lot of people believe you got to try to outscore that Chiefs team because, you know, to your point, and I, I've got the numbers right here, cause I'll, so I'll run them run them down real quick so basically on their path to the super bowl their third in five years the chiefs beat the number 10 defense in miami uh then followed that up by beating the number nine defense in buffalo who was also fourth in points allowed then beat the number six defense in football that was number one in points allowed in baltimore and then finished it up by beating the number eight defense in football who was third in points allowed so and those are some juggernaut defenses. Like the San Francisco defensive line, they have boatloads more talent than what Buffalo has. They had Nick Bosa and Chase Young on the edges and Eric Armstead in the middle. The Bills don't have three players of that caliber on their defensive line. And in the end, it didn't matter. Um, you look at the Baltimore Ravens, Justin Matabuike. He's going to be one of the top ten free agents getting giant money the first or second day of free agency. They had two dynamic linebackers in Roquan Smith and Patrick Queen, and it didn't mean a hill of beans. They lost. They couldn't beat the Chiefs. So as much as you have to fortify the defense just from a numbers perspective because of the holes you have there, I think most of us would love to see the high-level investments in the draft knowing you can't spend giant money on receivers and free agency at the receiver position, get the weapons. Speaking of getting the weapons, I go back to the 2020 season that the Bills had when they ranked really high on offense and not so much on defense. They were second in points per game average, 31.3 points per game is what they were averaging, close to 400 yards per game. Uh, Their rushing offense was 20th, but their passing offense was ranked third. But then you look on defense and the team ranked 16th, allowing 23.4 points per game and 14th allowing around 350 total yards per game so the bills have done that before where they have been that high scoring high efficiency offense and their defense hasn't been as good as it's been in the last couple of years ranking 16th now that year they were able to make it to the afc championship game yeah. and lost to the chiefs yeah right and you had four legitimate answers at the receiver position you know, you had John Brown, Stefan Diggs, Cole Beasley, 
and Gabe Davis was a rookie. Mm-hmm. So that was your top four. I mean, Davis was your fourth receiver, not your number two. And I, I think they have to get back to that. They need to go four across. Um, and maybe Kincaid is one of those four. But you've got to get a, a bona fide number two who is a defined playmaker, you know, either through a body of work in college or somebody that you can rely on in free agency that's not going to cost buku bucks. But you got to get back to legitimate depth and playmaking ability at the receiver position. So I'm inclined to agree with Al there. Let's go to Rex in Springfield, Springville next. What do you got, Rex? Yeah, I'm just – everybody's calling in and talking about it. It's just my opinion. But I don't, I don't see the real need to get a, a blow the top off of the defense um, fast wide receiver. I would look at the last two Super Bowl champions, and at no point in time am I looking at Kansas City and saying, wow, they got that speed receiver that's just – killing you downfield. Um, I'm more interested in saying offensive philosophy. I feel like Andy Reid does a great job with what he has, and he still dominates the league every single year. So I'm not looking at – I don't need the guy that runs a 4-4-40 that can just blow the doors off everybody. I'm looking for coaching change, coaching philosophy, and that's how the Bills start winning football games. So what what with the philosophy do you want to see different? I, I, listen, I, I want it to be more of um, we, we need to use our tight ends more, obviously, down the middle or, and everywhere else. And, and I think that, obviously, Steph has to be more involved. I, I don't think that, that – obviously, we need to draft another wide receiver because we're looking for future, right? That's what we need because we understand Steph's yep. getting old. But we certainly understand that like, to get the guy that blows the doors off of a, of, of a defense is, is not – I don't know. Do the Kansas City Chiefs – who's Kansas City Chiefs? Guy that just puts fear in your eyes, that, that that's going to kill you out deep. Well, for from a speed perspective, it's Valdez Scanling, um, and while he doesn't make a lot of plays, he made some key plays at the end of games. I mean, yeah. they closed out the Ravens game with a deep ball to Valdez Scanling, if you remember, to go to the Super Bowl. So, so we're, we're so if we we're, as a Buffalo fan base, we're going to be happy if we draft a Valdez Scanling. Well, I didn't say that. I'm, you asked me who no, the what, what, you asked what, me who the field stretcher is. You asked me who the field stretcher is for the Chiefs, and I gave it to you. Now I would anticipate that the Bills aren't going to make a high draft investment in somebody that translates into Valdez Scantling because that wouldn't be fitting of a first or second round pick, in my opinion. Um, but I, you asked me a direct question. I just tried to give you a direct answer. Sure, but Brownie, you would certainly suggest too that like. A Valdez Scanlon is not something that we're looking to get to, to improve this offense, and that's going to be our game breaker because because he had two good plays all year. Like I, I, I don't right. I, no, I no. You need something more than that. Agreed. Correct. That that's all I'm saying. Like I, I'm not looking for. I would rather have someone. Uh, again, we have to draft a wide receiver. I understand that, but I would rather draft someone that has a route tree that's very dynamic. And, and can yep. do a lot of things for Josh Allen. I'm not looking for the guy that is like, oh my God! Like again, Gabe Davis. I love the guy as a football player, and he's done great things for the Bills. But that's super limited. I want someone that can run a, a complete route tree that has a bit of speed. But I'm not just looking for a game breaker. Hey, Brownie. Okay. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, appreciate the call, Rex. Um, there are guys like that in the draft. I was going to say, there the guys, guys that you like, made exactly, draft at that point aren't those guys. Yeah, exactly who you're describing. Like, you know, I mean, it, it's all a project, projection. There aren't sure things. We know that. It's an inexact science. But, you know, Troy Franklin was a guy we were talking about last week. He's a guy that burns up the stopwatch. But 
he didn't just line up outside as an X. They put him in the slot sometimes, and he has production there. So it's a guy that's not just running goes, corners, and posts. He runs other routes on the route tree. So that's what's so attractive about this year's draft class. You don't just have one-trick ponies at the top of the draft. They have diversified skill sets. Receivers are coming into the league more and more polished than maybe they've ever been before. And I don't think those guys would be at the top of people's draft boards and be players that are going to be heading to teams within the top 10 picks and then there be some available for us to, in the 20s if they weren't polished and if they didn't know how to run a good amount of route tree. You're being drafted in the first round because you know how to do those things. I don't think there's going to be receivers in the first round who are one-trick ponies from the guys that we've talked about. Certainly, yeah. certainly not. I mean, I know we're not going to have our, our luck at Marvin Harrison Jr. or Romo Dunze or Malik Neighbors, but... Keon Coleman, Troy Franklin, Brian Thomas, those are guys who do have a nice body of work in terms of the routes that they can run. Let's go to Joe in Buffalo next. What's up, Joe? Uh, I think three things at a minimum. A wideout, a defensive lineman, and subject to where Trey White ends up, either a corner or a safety, and I'd lean to a safety with the probable retirement of one of our safeties. Question on the cap. Does it help the Bills? Okay. Thanks. The higher cap, yeah. Uh, it, it helps everybody in the league because it's 13 more million dollars of room to work with. So the, the short answer is yes. Um, and yeah, I mean, as for your priorities, I like those. And I would tend to lean in favor of your argument about safety over corner. I think you have more depth on the roster currently at corner although trey trey white is a question mark with his injury we know that um dane jackson is a free agent so there's there is work to do at corner but i think safety is in store for even greater turnover from last year to this year because of micah hyde being a free agent and we don't know what the future holds for him and jordan poyer with his cap figure could he be somebody whose contract needs reworking and if he doesn't want to do that what happens so there could be a lot of change at the safety position. So, yes, I would think you may have to very well. Re- and Taylor Rapp's a free agent. Yep. So you may have to reinvest there. And Cam Lewis as well. So you have yes. you have a lot of depth, including starters that are free agents. That that would probably be number two on my list of things you have to yeah. address is what's going on with the safety position. What are you going to do there? Do you want to start to invest with guys who are going to be available on the free, free agent market? Or would you rather maybe go after somebody in the draft? Or you can do both. Yeah. So, I mean, we know the list, the to-do list is long, but what's sitting at the top of your list? We're taking your phone calls at 803-0550, We're wide open for calls the entire show today, and we'll get back to more of them. We'll lead off with Mark and West Seneca, Tom and Williamsville when we return, along with others holding at 803-0550. Here on One Bills Live, live from the NFL Combine in Indy, presented by Collider Health, this is Buffalo Bills Radio. Welcome back to One Bills Live, coming to you live from the NFL Combine in Indianapolis. And the Buffalo Bills coverage of the 2024 NFL Combine is presented by Ticketmaster, the official ticket marketplace of the NFL. Chris Brown, Matty Glab with you, and we're going to get right back to the phones. And leading us off in this segment is Mark in West Seneca. What's up, Mark? What do you got for us? 
starting to get a little Marky. frustrated. Can you hear me? Can you hear me? Yeah, I got you now. Oh, okay. Uh, I, I'm a little frustrated with the conversation. I think it's starting to get a little bit misguided. Uh, and I got a comment about that, and then a question about Thomas and Franklin uh, in the draft, two receivers. Um, but really quick, um, the, to, the inference and the insinuation is, is we've got to outscore, 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 outscore uh, the other teams in order to be successful in the playoffs. When you look at that Kansas City team and you see what they did this season, and it's been for two years now. Two years ago, they retooled their defense. They have, quote-unquote, the best player in the league in Mahomes. Okay? We believe we have a guy very comparable. Okay, and if you look at their season this year, their defense won that Super Bowl. Look at the playoff games. Their defense beat Miami. Their defense beat Baltimore. Their defense beat San Francisco. We were the only team with what we had, without even talking about what we want to add this year, that actually took them to the to the woodshed and would have had 27 points on them. Uh, if we didn't miss a 44-yard field goal at the end of the game, and then who knows, we score a touchdown in overtime if we get there, and now we put up over 30. I'm not saying we don't need to get another elite talent on the outside. I'm all for drafting a wide receiver, first overall, or first pick for us, uh, and get a great talent there. And But I'd rather see them, rather than spending a second or a third on another receiver, Go get a veteran guy that can support this rookie coming in, and then when the transition needs to happen, it happens. Because we, we have an offense. We have tools. Okay, We're not devoid of talent on the offensive side of the ball. This team is crying out for defensive help crying out for defensive help. We need safeties. We could possibly need another corner. We definitely need defensive linemen. So for us to say we need to score, 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 if we think we're going to go into the playoffs next year with a middle-of-the-road defense and win playoff games and win the Super Bowl, I think we're sorely mistaken. We could possibly do that, but I do not want to go into the playoffs putting the pressure on Josh and the offense saying, if you don't score 35, you don't have a chance. Okay? So they've yeah, got I, to retool that defense. They've got to. Okay, yeah. and then I'm going to get, I, I'll let you go because I know I'm long-winded, Brownie, but real quick, what is the difference between Thomas and Franklin for you? Can you give me some specifics as to why you've got Thomas elevated to the guy you got targeted, and is there that much difference, and what does separate the two that pushes Franklin down to the low 20s? Thanks. Yeah, no problem. Uh, I'll answer your last question first. For my money, Thomas is a better all-around player. Uh, I think he's also bigger and more physical. So he can separate. He's versatile. He scores touchdowns, and if you need to play a physical game, he can do that also. I don't think Franklin matches his level of physicality. He can do a lot of good things, too. I like both of the prospects, but Thomas edges him out because he's got an NFL body already. Troy Franklin goes about 176 pounds at six foot three. He's got to put muscle on his frame. He's got to get stronger. The, the stronger, more physical corners are going to kill him in press coverage at the line of scrimmage. He's got to get bigger and stronger. Thomas has an NFL-ready body already, and that's why he's going to go earlier uh, than Franklin. As for your conversation, I think you're taking it to the extreme. I think Manny and I have both said, we're not saying you can afford to be average on defense. 
and I think we do recognize there are plenty of holes to fill, and there's going to be a, a changing of the guard here and a youth movement on the defensive side of the ball due to cap constraints and due to the fact that some of the positions you have to fill, defensive end, defensive tackle, cost a lot of money. So there's going to be a lot of young players learning on the job, and that's going to probably lead to some games where you are going to give up some points. And really, you only have one spot, one starting role that you're going to probably need to fill on offense, Maddie, and that's the number two receiver role. And that's a high-priced position, too. And I think that's why we're leaning towards getting a proven playmaker who could eventually be the person that supplants Stephon Diggs when he you know, rides off into the sunset. That's why you got to draft one early because you can't afford one in free agency right now. Yeah, and I think there's different opinions. I mean, if your opinion is, hey, you got to go after the defense first, that's a fine and valid opinion. We're weighing both of those opinions here on the show today. We're talking about offense, but I started off saying, where do I go first? It's the defensive line, and I think you have to think about the defensive line first, knowing that so many of the guys on the roster last season are now free agents. There's a lot of work you have to do at that position and the safety position. I think those are really two important positions in the offseason, and I think they have to be addressed right away. Whether it's through free agency or through the draft or a little bit of both, I'm going to trust Brandon Bean with that one. But if you look at where the Bills are at with that first pick, number 28 in the first round, where they're going to go is you look at what's what's available at that point. Where are you going to get the most value out of at that point in the draft? Wide receiver is what a lot of people are talking about because it's one of the best classes that people can remember for quite some time. But I do think they're going to go after defense in this year's draft as well. They have they have 10 draft picks right now that they can go after. And I think Brandon Bean is going to go after both the offense and the defense. If they pick a wide receiver in the first round, maybe defense is where they go in the second round. And quickly about Brian Thomas and Troy Franklin. Brian Thomas is 6'4", 205. Another thing that I like about him is the fact that he played against SEC defenses. Troy Franklin saw Pac-12 defenses. The corners and safeties <laughs> at that level in the SEC, some of them are a little a little bit better than some of the Pac-12 defenses that we've seen. The running joke is they don't play defense in the <laughs> Pac-12, which is a conference that's really not going to exist anymore. And one last thing about the defense, let's not forget, in 2021, the Bills had the number one defense in football, number one in the league. And they got 27 hung on them in the divisional playoff against Cincinnati. And look, I've said it, they were emotionally on empty in that game. But they managed 10 points on offense, 27 on defense. A year later, yes, they have 24 that they put up on the Chiefs. No other team did as well. Look, I'm not worried about them reinvesting in their defense. I think they will. My fear is that they think everything's okay with the offense, and in my estimation, it's not. They have to get better there, and they need more proven playmakers outside. Knowing the drop-off that Diggs has seen each of the last two years in the second half of the season, why is that? A number of variables, but then also you have to get somebody in the pipeline that's eventually going to be able to replace Diggs as your number one. You find those people high in the draft. Got to take a break here. Hour number two, more phone calls. Tom in Williamsville will lead us off when we come back. we got others holding there as well. We'll get to your phone calls as we're wide open here on One Bills Live, presented by Collider Health. It's Buffalo Bills Radio.
Live, presented by Kaleida Health. All right, hour number two here on our first day in Indianapolis at the NFL Scouting Combine. Chris Brown, Matty Glab with you, and we're taking your phone calls at 803-0550, 1-888-550-2550, as we are asking you today, what is on the top of your list for the Bills' off-season plan? Something that absolutely, positively has to be accomplished by the Bills this off-season before they do anything else. Back to the phones where we got people holding into Tom in Williamsville. What's up, Tom? Tom, are you there? Yes, I would trade Dawson, okay. the number one pick, and go get one of those receivers. Uh, so um, you want to move up the board? Is that what you're saying? Exactly. And if you got to okay. throw Elam in there, throw him in too. Okay. Um, that's pretty aggressive, but I get it. Um, that's a kind of a king's ransom to get one guy. Uh, I understand the feeling that you have to move up to get one of the top three premier guys who presumably are all going to be gone in the top 10. And we're talking about Marvin Harrison Jr., Malik Neighbors, and Roma Dunze from Washington. And just about every mock draft known to man uh, has them all gone by like pick nine. And I get it. Um, I think there's a lot of good players uh, in this class at the receiver position that goes far further than that. Uh, even into the second and third rounds where you can get some capable players. But that would be a lot to give up. I think trading Dawson Knox really isn't realistic because of his cap hit, which is about $20 million. It's probably less than that if he's traded, um, but it's still going to be a sizable number that the Bills really can't stomach in light of their cap situation. And in my estimation, I, I still think there's some upside to Kyrie Elam, uh, who I think – his career could get a fresh start this year with the change of coaches on the back end to the defensive staff. I think he's going to challenge for a starting role here coming up. Not saying he's going to land it, but I think he's going to really push uh, for a starting role at outside corner this year against the likes of Christian Benford and Rasul Douglas, who are the two under contract who will be healthy you know, for training camp and everything. And if you're trading away other picks to move up in the draft, get one of those premier wide receivers. I also think about how valuable the picks are in this year's draft, just knowing where the bills are at um, with the cap number and what they need to do to become cap compliant. I just think about Brandon Bean talking to us at the end of the season, saying this draft is going to be really important for us. This off season is going to be really important for us. It'll be interesting to see how much, trading and moving he does within the draft we know he he does do some of that especially as you as you get later in the draft but I would expect that maybe they want as many draft picks as possible knowing that they may have to find some cheap labor through the draft to be able to bring on some of these free agents to be able to re-sign some of these guys who are free agents possibly a Daquan Jones who I would love to see a part of this roster this upcoming season yeah they need cost control for the roster, and you get that with draft choices on rookie contracts. Let's go to Steve in Syracuse next. What's up, Steve? Thanks. Well, I got I just want to mention about I'm sick and tired of hearing this stuff about Diggs being traded or transferred or anything like that. We're going to keep him. He's valuable to our team. Now, by doing that, you could get this in the draft. You could get another wide receiver or two beside Diggs. Now you're off to the races. Then the same way on the defense. We need to sign da- Daquan Jones. If you, once you get Diggs on the offense, Jones on the defense, 
Brandon Bean is a smart guy. He's going to fill in whatever is necessary to make this team a winner. And I think you'll be able to go right back to the playoffs. Like on defense at Daquan Jones, you got that sweat from Texas. You get him in there. So for the first three rounds, you can have two wide receivers and best defensive tackle in the draft. What's wrong with that? Yeah. I got nothing wrong. There's nothing wrong with that. I like the way you're thinking. Um, I don't blame you at all. Um, yeah, I mean, Daquan Jones, I said at the top of the show, like that guy's my top priority of the free agents on Buffalo's roster. You really got to get him back in the fold. I think he makes everybody in the front better when he's on the field, and he's a pretty damn good player himself. Um, but, yeah, I, I think you do have to get more weaponry for the offense because what were we saying at the end of the season? You know, execution, they're two or three plays short. Well, if you have some playmakers, maybe they're making those plays for you uh, on the offensive side of the ball. Uh, I know that's probably an oversimplification, but you were the number one defense in football in 2021, and you exited the playoffs at the same time. So maybe try a different formula and try to load up a little bit on offense with playmakers. I'm not saying you, again, I'm not saying you ignore defense. You have to have a very good defense. But here's the other thing to think about with respect to scoring and all of that stuff. When you get to the playoffs, scoring generally comes down because it's the best teams in football. So if you're a team that's scoring 33 a game, when you get to the playoffs, that's probably going to drop to like 29, 28 a game. But, and, and same thing, you know, I'm not saying it all operates necessarily on a sliding scale, but historically, scoring drops in the postseason. So you do have to have a good defense to hold you in games too, but I'd like to see them get more weaponry for the offense to increase the scoring potential. And it's not like they have to do anything crazy. They're they're a guy or two away of where they need to be within the offense. You yeah. think about all the work this team has done, this coaching staff and scouting department have done over the past few seasons and where they are right now. You already have some incredible wide receivers on your roster. Stefan Diggs is at the top of the list. Khalil Shakir had a great season last year. I'm really excited to see how he fits into this offense in a full-time starting role possibly for him with the way that he was able to earn that slot role and then you have James Cook and how he kind of broke out last season you've got Dalton Kincaid you've got Dawson Knox you have quite a few weapons already I think you're one or two players away from being as perfect as you can be on offense before taking the field we hear Steve Tasker say all the time you got to play great in those big time moments and that's been one of the reasons why this team is still one or two plays away is because in those big time moments those one or two plays haven't happened yet for this group, yeah. and maybe that means they're one or two guys away from getting there. I guess the best way to put it, as far as I see it, is add volume. you got to add volume on defense because you need a number of people and go high-end talent on offense where you have arguably one, maybe two spots to realistically fill. So go quality, high quality on right. offense, volume on defense because of the numbers of spots you got to fill. Uh, forgive me if I don't pronounce this right, but I'm telling you, take my best crack at it. Prashant in California. What do you got for us? You're on One Bills Live. First time caller, long time listener, man, out here. I'm, uh, nice to meet you guys. Brownie, Tasker, Maddie. Um, I hope you having a good afternoon. Um, we're just talking about our draft. Uh, I really think, you know, Bean has always drafted defense always in the first round and I, I could see him I, I, all the callers all want wide receiver but don't be surprised if he goes and he sees a dn that's there that he likes he's going to move up or get 
because those positions are the hardest to find. Those traits, like Tasker, you say all the time, the ta- uh, the traits you just can't. 310 pounds and you know an eight foot wingspan or and you know in a four four speed you just can't that doesn't just come around right you just can't teach that and so so but wide receiver wise Thomas and Franklin I would love it uh, I love Thomas um, I think uh, he, he's he just he would complement Diggs the best on our team I think Franklin Franklin's a, he's a little light he's fast over the top yeah. but just a little you know. Um, but wide receiver depth, that's why I say he can go D-end in the first round because wide receiver depth into the second and the third round. And like Maddie just said, you know, we do have a lot of playmakers on there. There's only one ball to feed all these mouths and stuff like that. Um, you can still get a quality number two. Uh, the second round has produced plenty of number ones, too, over the last year. Amon Ross St. Brown, Metcalf, all these guys. There's been a bunch of them in the second round. But D-ends, they are hard to find. They are hard to find. And I think I think our, our draft will go wide receiver, DN, wide receiver, but I wouldn't be surprised if he went DN, wide receiver, wide receiver, something like that. Yeah. Um, safety, I don't no, think I, there's a lot of talent. Is talent in this draft? No, it, it's not a deep safety draft. And I, I, I mean, I would expect them to draft a safety somewhere on day three just for depth purposes, but I, I anticipate free agency being the way – for them to plug the holes yep. that are currently existing with safety. Uh, I'm, I'm sorry, Prashant, we got to move on here because we got other people holding at 803-0550, but good call. Thanks for doing it for the first time. We appreciate it. Um, yeah, I, look, I wouldn't be shocked at all. We all know Brandon Bean's history and his propensity to draft defense early, particularly defensive line, and I wouldn't be surprised in the least if they go edge rusher in round one. And I think one of the things that would push him there is if the value at receiver is poor by the time he's on the clock. He's not going to reach for a position just because he feels he has to fill it. If the value isn't right, he's going to pivot to another position. He did it last year. You could argue the Bills were in the market for a receiver last year early in the draft. The receiver run happens in front of where the Bills pick. He pivots and gets the best pass-catching tight end in the draft. I could see him pivoting and going to edge rusher because there are holes there. Shaq Lawson is a free agent. Leonard Floyd is a free agent. A.J. Epinesa is a free agent. And I would be surprised if any one of those three are coming back to this roster next year. So, yes, there will be a cavernous hole at that position. So if they address that early because the value is right, it wouldn't shock me in the least. That might not make some fans happy. I don't think it's a bad idea because you need pass rushers, and you hear Brandon Bean say it all the time, you can never have enough. So, yeah, that, that wouldn't surprise me at all. And I wouldn't be upset with it as long as they, on day two, address the receiver position. Yeah, definitely. I would not be shocked either if the Bills decide to go defensive line, specifically edge rusher with that number 28th pick, because there are going to be guys available at that point, and they should be good value as well if some of those bigger names are still around. The Bills have actually been mocked two edge rushers so far. A bulk of the guys who have been mocked to the Bills are wide receivers, but two defensive tackles two edge rushers. Defensive tackle has been Jerzon Newton. Not sure if the Bills would go tackle there at number 28. Defensive tackle, that is. And then edge rushers who have been mocked to the Bills at number 28. Chop Robinson out of Penn State. And then Liatu Latu uh, as well has been mocked to the Bills in a trade. Um, that was from NFL.com. The Bills had to trade up to number 26 to go get him. Oh, a couple of spots. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know if he's going to last that long, but right. yeah, yeah, he's a really good player. Long and lanky body. 
Um, long reach, too. Doesn't really miss too many tackles. Uh, we got to get back to the phones, though. And up next here is Bill in Amherst. What's up, Bill? Hello. First off, I'll just tell you what I think, and then I have a weird question for you to answer about the draft. One, I would re-sign Jones. Two, with the 28th pick, I'd get the tackle, the defensive tackle, hopefully the kid at Illinois. That would give you two Ed Olivers in the middle with Jones. That's my opinion there. You still got two and three to fill other positions. Now, here's the question you're going to think off the wall. After the first two days, now I know Superman scored 15 touchdowns and he runs into people, but it's a lot to ask a quarterback to take those hits. So we're always going to find these deal quarterbacks. Now, I know the top five quarterbacks will be going in the first round. There's a kid at South Carolina called Rattler that always seems to have been given a raw deal. I watched his highlights the other day. What if for some reason he fell to four or five? Wouldn't it be nice to pick up a developmental quarterback? I've seen his arm. I've seen him run. You know, and he always seems to be in a position where he gets he, – he took a bad South Carolina team and did some nice numbers. Just tell me what you think of that, and I'll let you go. Thank you very much. Yeah, I, I don't think you could rule it out. I mean, we've seen Brandon Bean do that before. I mean, he drafted Jake Fromm in the fifth round because he was sticking out on the board. Now, they didn't need a backup quarterback, but he was the best prospect uh, for the value, and they drafted him in the fifth round. Now, is Rattler going to make it that far? I don't know. Um, he he seems to me to be a third-round value on most of the quarterback rankings boards that I've seen. Nice player. I think he does have some flaws to his game, which is part of the reason why people have him as a third-round pick. Um, If he's there on day three, yeah, I think he becomes a much bigger consideration for a lot of teams, uh, including the Bills. But who knows what the Bills quarterback situation looks like by then? Have they signed a veteran free agent to be the backup quarterback? Because Kyle Allen's a free agent, as we know. Um, Mitch Trubisky is out there who's been a backup for the Bills. So I, I, I get the sense that there'll be a veteran on the roster already and that might impact whether or not they even want to entertain um something like that so that's kind of where i am i don't know if you yeah feel and when it when it comes to quarterback if if there's somebody available later on in the draft and and you think that you could also use that position to to draft a quarterback and then maybe flip him later like they have done in the past that may be something to think about as well uh, i'm curious to see what the scouting staff does with the backup quarterback position Will they go veteran? Will they maybe try to get a younger player? Uh, we're not sure. Maybe we'll hear from Brandon Bean when he speaks to the media tomorrow afternoon. Yeah. Back to the phones we go and to Dennis in North Carolina next. What's up, Dennis? You're on One Bills Live. Hey, how y'all doing today? Good. Hey, uh, a question. Well, first of all, I'd like to see Buffalo draft the virus suit from LSU represent the SEC. But well, what's the, how many running backs do we have? And if Buffalo drafts a running back, who will you like to see Buffalo draft? That, that, that was my call for today. Thank you. Yeah, um, I'll just say this. I, I think running back, right now, it's basically James Cook on the roster. Ty Johnson's a free agent. So, too, is Latavius Murray. So that's kind of where that sits in terms of, who your top three were last year. Cook is the only one under contract. Now, you can find guys in free agency. It wouldn't shock me if they brought Ty Johnson back. I know they liked a lot of the things 
that he did. I know they signed Darrington Evans to a reserve futures contract. If you remember, he was here in training camp and then basically got bumped off the roster by Ty Johnson. And then Darrington Edwards went down to Miami. He was on their practice squad during the year. He is back on Buffalo's off-season roster. So he'll be, a, he'll be in camp. Is he, does he make the roster? Well, that I don't know. If they want to take a running back in the draft, I think it happens on day three, unless some prospect slides and you're like, oh, my gosh, this guy's still here. I like the big-bodied kid from Notre Dame, but I think he's probably a day-two pick. 225 pounds he's got a little juice to him and his name is escaping me right now but that's one of the kids that i've liked on tape that i've seen so far i'm just getting started on the running backs um because it wasn't in my estimation a super high priority position um but that was one of the kids that i like that i've seen on tape to this point um i i think that's a day three uh consideration for depth because you can find quality backup running backs on day three in the draft there's a countless number of examples so if you wanted to go that route i wouldn't hold your breath until about day three that's when you might see one yeah and just in terms of where depth lies in this draft class for running backs it's more day two beginning than anything even starting uh in the third round and of the second round i was listening to daniel jeremiah's draft call that he did this morning and he was asked about the running back spot in that position and he's thinking there's not going to be any guys that go off the board in the first round in terms of running backs because that's not um where the depth is there is no b john robinson in this year's draft class and that maybe end of the second round, early third round is when these guys could start to go off the board and he thinks some of the top-tier talent in terms of running backs will kind of go one after another. The Once one guy, once one team decides to draft a running back, the run on running backs is going to begin. So the Bills would probably be, I would assume, way after that because they're not shopping for running back right now. Yeah, and you looked it up for me. Audric Estime was the kid I was thinking of. Uh, big, bulky kid. And he's a New York native. He's from... Uh, Nyack, New York, which is, I, th- I think that's Westchester County. If not, it's Orange County. But he's in uh, downstate just north of the city, New York native. Um, he's huge. Yeah, he's a big boy. 227. But he's got some juice. Um, <laughs> wow. Like, he's got some burst to him, even though he is a big boy. So, to me, that would be a good complementary weapon yeah, to definitely. Cook being the elusive guy that mm-hmm. he is. Uh, and I think he's trending right now as, like, a late second, early third round pick. That might be too early to the Bills' mm-hmm. liking with the other needs that they have. But... I did like what I saw from him on tape. He was an intriguing prospect. Uh, Let's pivot over to the tweet sheet here while we've got a few minutes for answers on what you think is at the top of your priority list for the Bills' off-season plan. Tweet sheet brought to you by Corrigan Moving Systems, the official equipment moving company of the Buffalo Bills. Jeremy leads us off and says, getting younger all around, of course, but specifically the defensive line. These one-year deals seem to work in the regular season, but end up costing us in the postseason when all these players just seem to fall flat. That's an interesting comment. I'm not sure that contract length has anything to do with performance in the postseason. If anything, you're at the end of your one-year contract. You want to show up and Mm -hmm. show out in what could be your last game of the season. Um, Think about this, and I'm not trying to assault Daquan Jones' character when I say this. I'm just using it as an example. If Daquan Jones had three more years on his contract, is he busting tail to get back in the lineup and play at the end of the season, coming back from a torn pectoral? Maybe he does, 
But I guess the point I'm trying to make is that guy's in the last year of his contract. He's trying to come back and show, hey, look, I can heal up fast and I can come back and help your football team and, you know, make sure his value is properly set in the free agent market. Um, All of these guys on one-year deals, they are straining. They are pushing uh, at the end of the season. I know some people feel like Leonard Floyd tailed off at the end of the year, and production-wise he did, but the guy was playing at less than 100%. He was dragging a, a, a leg around. He had a rib problem uh, that was listed on the injury report every week, and the guy still went out and played. I just think he lost some of his effectiveness because he got nicked uh, at the end of the season. So, I mean, to me, one-year contracts benefit the team because it's incentive for the player to play hard all throughout the season so he can earn the next contract. And that's why you hear the word prove it attached to a lot of one-year or short-term deals. It's a one-year prove-it deal. It's a short-term prove-it deal so that these players can prove that they're worth a longer-term contract. And I believe the Bills will get younger all around across the offense and across the defense. But knowing where this team is at, I think we're also going to see a lot of one-year deals again. I would guess Brandon Bean is going to tell us that tomorrow afternoon, just knowing where the Bills are at and what they need to do to get under that cap number. He's probably going to say, hey, we're going to tell these guys, you come play for Buffalo because you have the chance at a Super Bowl. You have a chance to be a playoff contending team consistently, but also we don't have a lot of money to give it out. So we're going to be able to we're going to be signing guys on on one year and short term deals, which we've seen them do a lot of in the last two seasons. And they may have to do more of that than ever with the cap situation they're currently dealing with. Got to take a break here. More of your thoughts on the tweet sheet. More of your phone calls at 803-0550. What is at the top of your priority list for the Bills' off-season plan? If we got a little time, we might even do a little NFL true-false. As we are coming to you live from the NFL Combine in Indianapolis, it's One Bills Live, presented by Collider Health. It's Buffalo Bills Radio. All right, welcome back. One Bills Live, coming to you live from the NFL Combine in Indianapolis. Chris Brown, Maddie Glab with you, and asking you, what is your top priority for Buffalo's off-season plan? Something they absolutely, positively have to get accomplished between now and September. We know the list is long, but what has to happen? Something that if it doesn't happen, you're going to be genuinely concerned. 803-0550, the number to get on board. Back to the phones and to Ty in Buffalo. What's up, Ty? Don, how you doing? Good. Well, I think the top priority for the Buffalo Bills is a defensive tackle. Because if we lose Daquan Jones, at least we have somebody there to be next to Oliver. Yeah, and they and they probably need more than one tie. Um, I mean, even if you do re-sign Daquan Jones, uh, let's not forget Jordan Phillips is a free agent. Uh, so is uh, Tim Settle, so is Puna Ford. So you've got a slew of guys that are free agents on the defensive interior. Now, you may be able to get one or two of those back once you get to the free agent market or right before that, uh, knowing they can talk to their own players prior to the opening of the free agent window. But, yeah, you're down numbers there. Uh, Ed Oliver is the only defensive tackle under contract on the roster, not counting reserve future free agents like Ilianku, who's you know signed a reserve future free agent contract back in january it's ed oliver that's it <laughs> so you got to get to work over there you got your cut your work cut out for you for defensive tackles and i haven't looked at it much but defensive tackle free agent pool what's it looking like 
uh, expensive at the top. Mm-hmm. You know, players like Christian Wilkins and Chris Jones, they're going to get over $20 million a year. That is not the neighborhood where the Bills are going right. to be shopping. Right. I think Daquan Jones comes at a much more affordable price because he is 32 years of age. I think he turns 33 at the very end of the calendar year. And because of his age, some injuries the last year or so, you know, he didn't play in the playoff game against Cincinnati, missed most of the season last year. That might make his price a little bit easier to stomach. I think he's going to be somewhere in that 6 to $7 million a year range, you know, at the age he is at. I mean, he's, I think he's not going to be insulted by this. He's on the backside of his career. And you get more affordable on the backside of your career. Hopefully he's affordable where the Bills can come up with a value and a contract that's suitable to get him back in the fold. Because I still think he has gas left in the tank to play two more solid seasons for the Bills. And then after that, you know, do you want Jordan Phillips back at age 30? Um, that's a guy whose last two seasons have injured, ended with injuries and being on injured reserve. You know, two years ago it was a rotator cuff injury and couldn't play uh, down the stretch and into the playoffs. And then this past year was another injury, which is slipping my mind. Was that a wrist? It was a wrist injury. Um, couldn't play. So that injury history, it's frustrating, but it may make him affordable mm-hmm. to get him back on the roster, you know, at an affordable price that, they can stomach knowing their cap constraints, you know, leave them in a situation where they can't pay top dollar. They, they Again, volume, volume on the defensive side of the ball. Yeah, and I'm looking at uh, Daniel Jeremiah's top 50 right now, and it looks like guys who could be around that are defensive tackles, possibly around where the Bills would draft. Jerzon Newton, I would say, is the one name that yeah. could be available at that point out of Illinois. Um, you also have uh, is it Byron Murphy as well, but I think he would be gone before the Bills are going to draft at number 28. A lot of people have him as a mid-first-round pick because he's probably one of the most athletic yeah. uh, defenders tackles in the class he's out of texas uh, really really good athletic prospect for the defensive tackle position a penetrator a disruptor kind of like the way ed oliver plays but the difference is he's 6'3 315 um so yeah he's gonna go early because mm-hmm. as one of our callers said earlier in the show those types of players do not grow on trees they are hard to find so when you find them you get them and you mm-hmm. get them early um it is a pretty good defensive tackle class i wouldn't say it's great but it's pretty good i've actually spent the last week or so um looking at defensive tackles i want to let me just run through my list to see refresh my mind or memory with some of the guys that i liked um chris jenkins the kid at michigan i liked him i think he's one of the more athletic defensive tackles in the class if you want a behemoth Space eater guy, you want Tavondre Sweat, who's Byron Murphy's teammate at Texas, 362 pounds. I worry when the weight gets up that high because you can say, oh, well, you just need him to drop 30 pounds and he'll be great for you. Well, why is he playing at 362 then? You know, and you don't want to be worrying about an extra thing like that. Another kid that I liked, a Missouri transfer, Maddie, he went, finished up at LSU, Makai Wingo, Mm -hmm. high motor player. Uh, 6'1", 295, so maybe a little short, maybe a little light, but he is a loose athlete and has position flexibility. They used him up and down the line at LSU, could play a number of different spots, and even when he doesn't get to the quarterback, what I liked is he gets his hands up. He batted like eight passes down uh, last season, and he's really explosive off the snap. So those are just some players 
the Clemson kid I like too, Ruke or Horo Horo. Say that five times fast. <laughs> uh, another explosive burst type player on the defensive interior so fun story about Ruke Ohoro Horo I think I'm correct so we went through every single prospect name you guys all 300 something of them and tried to find connections to players on our current roster mm. and with Ruke he went to the same school as Balen Spector and Shaq Lawson you know Clemson played with Balen Spector for a couple of seasons but he grew up in the same town as Kingsley Jonathan Jonathan in Lagos Nigeria, oh, in Nigeria. so okay. I wonder if they have a connection to each other. I wonder if they knew each other when they were growing up, knowing uh, that they were both involved in football. Both came over to the state side to decide to play football, but I kind of want to know a little bit more about that story if Ruke and Kingsley knew each other. There's another player at defensive tackle and I'm watching him on tape. Uh, the kid from Florida State, Braden Fisk, and mm-hmm. I'm watching him play and it's like I'm watching Kyle Williams. So I saw a little bit of Kyle Williams and Braden Fisk. Um, I think he'll go higher in the draft than Kyle did. Kyle was the first pick of the fifth round in the 05 draft. I think Fisk will go higher, mm-hmm. um, but transferred from Western Michigan, went to Florida State and did not miss a beat despite playing against a higher quality of competition. Just a real heady player uh, who made a lot of plays for them. There, there are players to be had at defensive tackle, and I think it goes two, three rounds deep. So... Maybe you get your edge guy if you don't like the receiver value early. Then you pivot to the, to receiver and then maybe defensive tackle in round three. I mean, I know it doesn't work that way. You just take value. Don't worry about position. But uh, I think we're whole, all hoping that they address some positions, you know, that will be filling holes uh, on the roster as well. Let's jump back to the tweet sheet here real quick. And from MGO Bills. As far as their top priority on the Bills' offseason plan, considering the magic McDermott pulled off with all the third stringers on last year's D, got to be offense and wide receiver, both in free agency and in the first round. That's a little bit of a contradictory statement. They're talking. They made it sound like oh, they were they had nothing but third stringers on defense. So let's go offense. What? Like that kind of threw me a little bit. Um, I don't know. Maybe. They think that McDermott can keep can, yeah, do keep more that. with keep doing more with less. Which I think he can. I think he can, but I don't think you want to get to a point where you're doing that in week one. Yeah, I don't think you want to live that way. I think you want to live that way when you need to live that way, and when you can dip into your depth and not be worried about those guys stepping up to the plate and knowing that they know the defense, they know the system, um, or if you're flipping to offense, they know the offense, and, and when given the opportunity, they can do the most with it, which is what we saw out of a lot of the backups at the end of the season, but I would love to see this team not get to that point. They were riddled with so many injuries this last year, especially on defense. You have to think maybe maybe the Maybe the NFL gods are, are going to bless the Bills <laughs> this upcoming season with help. Be nice. Uh, Jack on the tweet sheet says, got to add wide receivers, at least one high in the draft, if not two. I like Adonai Mitchell, Mitchell or Troy Franklin at 28, and maybe Ricky Pearsall in round three. Add one in free agency. I like K.J. Osborne as a target. Also need to re-sign Daquan Jones. Yeah, I like K.J. Osborne, too. I think it's a guy who was buried in the pecking order in Minnesota. I think he's capable of more. And I think because his production has been down, there's a good chance you could get him at an affordable price. We'll have to see how in demand he is come the free agent market. And, you know, we're talking, we were talking earlier about Troy Franklin and um, Brian Thomas. I actually like Adonai Mitchell better than Troy Franklin. I think he's a bigger clutch performer. Um, 
I watched him earlier in his career at Georgia before he transferred to Texas, and um, I liked what I saw. I mean, that guy played big in big games, whether it was the national semifinal in 2021 against Alabama where he scored what proved to be the game-winning touchdown to advance to the national title game, or the two touchdowns he scored against Alabama in Texas's upset of Alabama at the beginning of the season this past year. The guy plays big in big-time games, uh, and he's got plenty of juice. He's got enough size at 6'4", 192. So Adonai Mitchell, I think, would be a great pick at 28 as well. So that's another guy to throw into the mix. And that's exactly who I would want on this roster. The Bills are one to two plays away from winning those big games. You want players who are up to those big-time games, those big-time moments. So I want somebody like A.D. Mitchell who can be up for the task and be able to play his best in the biggest games. Yeah. Greg on the tweet sheet says, Get younger and more talented, speedy receivers, a behemoth defensive tackle, New faces at safety and focus on special teams. I felt the biggest drop-off was the third phase of our defense. Also, I believe in this new coaching staff to get it done. It may be the strength of the team. Let's talk about that a little bit, Maddie, because you and I were talking before the show. This coaching staff has gotten noticeably younger. If you think about this coaching staff last year at this time, you well, we found out here last year that Leslie Frazier was no longer going to be a part of the defensive staff. That was somebody in their 60s off the staff. And now you have some of the other veteran defensive coaches off the staff, like John Butler, who was the secondary coach. You've got younger people filling in behind him. Your defensive coordinator last year before the news about Frazier came down went from about 62 years of age down to 40 years of age. And Bobby Babbage, all of these other defensive assistants who came in the door or were promoted from within, like a Marcus West, who's now the defensive line coach, all younger. And your quarterback's coach, Ronald Curry, I think is 42. So you've, you've got, and, and your offensive coordinator's 35 years old. So you've gotten younger almost across the board, coaching staff-wise. And we hear Coach McDermott say it all the time. He needs energy from his coaching staff on the practice field because he feels that filters down to the players and you get more out of the players in the practice setting. And if you practice that way, the games come easier because you're playing at a high rate of speed and competitive level in practice. The games are that much easier for the players on Sundays. Yeah, the coaching staff looks quite young for this upcoming season. I'm interested to see uh, and hear from Coach McDermott when we talk to him later this afternoon about why they decided to go younger with a lot of those new members on the staff this year and promote some younger members uh, to higher positions as well. I think you also want new ideas within the coaching staff and you want guys who, who are fresh and, and who maybe um, are bringing some new juice, like you said, some some energy uh, to this team and, and maybe guys who can relate to players as well being younger. Got to take a break here. When we come back, Manny and I will wrap it up with some final thoughts on the tweet sheet here on One Bills Live. Stay tuned. Welcome back to One Bills Live. Chris Brown, Maddie Glad with you. Got a couple of minutes left here, and uh, we'll try to get to a couple of quick comments on the tweet sheet here. Uh, Ed says, number one priority, reshaping the salary cap, devising a free agent plan, and getting meaningful players in the draft. That's kind of the broad 
brush strokes. Um, but still a valid answer, Ed. Um, Phillips says defensive line times three or four. <laughs> Someone's aware of how many free agents the Bills have on the defensive front. Got eight out of 12. Uh, David says, me reading 194 mock drafts. I love that, David. Hey, you sound like Maddie now. I'll help you out with that. <laughs> Someone's got uh, your idea planned there. That's pretty funny. Uh, let's see what we got here from John. John says, get the priorities straight to maximize Allen's career window. Wide receiver, O-line, D-line. Yeah, I'm not surprised by that sentiment because we hear that a lot, Maddie. People calling in and saying, hey, that's another year of Josh Allen's career wasted. Mm-hmm. we got to get him weapons on offense. I think they have the offensive line set in front of him. James Cook's a great addition in the backfield, but you know now they've got to get another weapon. Yeah, they give, they've got all their offensive line under contract for the 2024 season, and we saw a lot of great things out of that group this year. I'm really excited to see two years of them. Giant show for you tomorrow here from the Combine. Head coach Sean McDermott, GM Brandon Bean, Daniel Jeremiah from NFL Network, and Raiders new GM Tom Telesco. We'll see you tomorrow at 1.